0: Welcome back to A Love Like This podcast. We are so glad you are here. Join us as we share the stories, memories and messages that help shape not just our lives, but the lives of our incredible guests. Together with some of our amazing friends, inspirations and teachers, we bring you stories of faith journeys, life lessons and advice, all centered around building an abundant life. You have a place here, you have a purpose here. So here we go.
1: hey folks i hope you're doing absolutely fantastic today i'm joined with one of my greatest friends james meredith james and i met close to seven years ago when we were both working part-time at our local hardware store james has a bachelor's of psychological science and a postgrad diploma in speech and communication today we speak about why it's so important to be emotionally aware and live a life through faith not for faith we discuss some of the issues in mistakenly taking religion as truth over what we believe in our heart And lastly, what lies after our time here on earth? I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'm just about to apologize in advance because James is the smartest person I know and he likes using big words. So let's go. (laughs) for the people who don't know you, which is pretty much every single person listening, could you fill them in a little bit on what you've been up to in life, you know, what you're doing?
0: Of course, I'd like to think someone will know me because I'm hoping my family will also listen to this, but (laughs) um, I work with kids with disabilities. So I study speech and language pathology. So we basically work with kids who have difficulties acquiring language or adults who have had an accident or an injury and lose their ability to talk. So yeah, we work with kids with disabilities. Amazing, so I've actually known James for
1: probably six or seven years now makes me feel old. We um we worked when I was working part-time at, at Bunnings is where we met. And um, yeah, we hit it off and, and have been friends ever since. But something that has always, always stood out to me about you and is just such a differentiating factor that sets you apart from everyone is you're like Bubbly James. You are the happiest, kindest person I have ever met. And so the yeah. first question I wanted to ask you kind of re- revolves around that. And it's, you know, someone who always puts other people's happiness and emotions above their own. I do to know, why do you feel like you're called to do that? Because there's never a moment where you walk into a room and everyone isn't excited and ecstatic to see you and you're not trying to make their lives better in some way. So I'm like, could you speak a little bit on, you know, why you feel like you're called to do that? Why do you think it's important to be that type of person?
0: Firstly, that's a beautiful compliment, That very unexpected. Um, I think for me, a happy life is not a life that is necessarily free of difficulties or free of hardships. I think fundamentally happiness is a mindset and it's how you respond to, react to, and I guess, progress from difficulty. So for me, I'd always like to think, despite the difficulties I may may be experiencing, I can always do something to improve someone else's day. And for me, I do gain a lot of happiness out of that. So whether it be doing something small or trivial or something incredibly meaningful for someone.
1: Like bogging your car in someone's front grass. This this
0: is true. This is true. And ripping up his entire front lawn. Uh, Kindest gesture anyone's ever done for me. But I think for me, happiness is not something that can be bought. Not meaningful happiness, at least. It's not something that is freely given. I think it's something that is something that has to be worked towards and it's earned meaningfully at least. So I think for me, part of my life's challenge has always been to be that person, to try and provoke happiness and provoke joy. Mm. Um, and part of that is trying to live that day to day. And yeah. it is a challenge. It's not always easy. Of there, are, there are definitely moments where it almost feels like you're impersonating a, a persona mm-hmm. um, that you've built for yourself. But I, I definitely believe that it's something like anything that is if nurtured, if worked towards, it can be built, it can be you know, resilience, we're incredible people. You know, most people are very resilient even in the face of pure adversity. I think it's interesting what you said then, how
1: it's almost like not not a facade, but sometimes you have to, you know, mold yourself into that personality. But, you know, that's kind of the crux of emotional awareness. It's like you can detect the times where you're feeling kind of down in the dumps or, you know, a bit of the blues, but you know that your who you are has an impact on other people. Ergo, you have to kind of not put on a front, but you have to, you know, sometimes put it a little bit aside for the, for the greater good, you know, and that's not to say that you don't have a right to be sad or upset, but it's that you understand that there's more to life than just your own emotions.
0: And I think Lance Armstrong made this point, you know, pain is temporary. It can, it can last for a minute, an hour, a day, or even a year, but eventually it will subside and something else will take its place. If you quit, however, that lasts forever. So for me, it's one of those things where it's as you said, it's awareness. It's being aware that in the moment you may feel hurt or anxious, depressed or frightened, but eventually that will be replaced by something else. And it's not invalidating those emotions. It's being aware of them, accepting them, um, really being one with the feeling of those sensations, but understanding Mm. as well that they will be replaced. Mm. And Mm. it's so easy to lose sight of that in the moment, whether because of frustration or anger or just sheer tiredness, but it's, I think it's doable. You know, we're incredibly resilient. We're born winners, you know, through the genetic lottery of life, we are here. Um, and I think we forget that, especially in the West where- It's,
1: it's like that idea of, you know, identifying. It's like, do you want to, okay, you know, you're, you're depressed. You're really sad. Do you want to identify someone who is depressed? It's like, that, that's, that's what you'll be. That's who you'll be. But it's like, if you want to identify as someone who's happy, who happens to be
0: sad today, it's a completely different ball game, you know. Of course, and it's—I find those thoughts are quite pernicious. It's—it's it's very self-defeating when you it sort of enable that narrative. And am obviously it's not so simple, you know. There are real instances of really significant trauma that you know there's long-term difficulties to overcome. But I think just the mindset of positive affirmation can go a long way. And obviously, it's not so simple as to say the secret where if I will it, it will be so. But it's definitely something that can be nurtured and. We're creatures of habit, you can build that nurturance and build upon that foundation, and through small incremental steps, make big differences in your
1: life. Of course, I liked um, when we started. You, you were talking about how you know it, life's all about resilience in a way. You know, you're not always just happy and you're not always just sad. You know, your character's built over time, and as someone who's experienced, you know, quite a bit of grief in their life, you know, quite recently. Um, what would you say to someone who, you know, is experiencing, you know, some trouble times or is feeling a little bit, you know, low at the moment and is trying to get back to a place where, you know, everyone wants to be that, that little happiness area. That- and,
0: and isn't it something we all wish we could have, you know, just this. All the time. This, <laughs> all the time. It's it's almost like the Instagram lifestyles you see and you just think if only life were truly like that. But. I think from my own experiences, it's important to recognise that we all have different traumas and different you know difficulties, and it may be something where a friend or a loved one is encountering similar, or in some cases, what some would say more significant difficulties. I think it's always important to recognise that each experience is individual, and what I may experience is what I may be experiencing is something trivial, may be seen as something very harrowing to someone. Or something that I believe is very simple and easy to overcome for them, maybe the reverse. It's, it's always necessary to recognize that the severity of difficulty is not universal. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's recognizing that we each have our own story, our own path, our own journey, and we each encounter things differently and respond to them differently. Mm-hmm. So in order to overcome them, I think it's always important to surround yourself with loved ones and people who truly care about you. It's more of a quality than a quantity of people for me that I look for.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting because in the time that I've known you and in in the times that you've gone through, you know, good or bad, you've always tried tried to associate yourself or find those connections with people. And I'm so happy now knowing that you've found, you know, someone that you love and a family that you're so comfortable with being who supports you in that manner but it's something that I think, not that people struggle with, but it's that they get lost. They're like, I need so many different people in my life who are there to support me and bring me up that, that that's where I'll find that sense of connection. But with you, I've, I feel like you're very selective in who you actually let into your inner life.
0: Of course. And, and that says, I say that of you as well, Ben. It's a, it's a case where I remember when we first met and one of the recurring themes I kept bringing up to you was the fact that you were different. You know, I think there are people in life who for circumstance or situation or just their own motivations, they sort of just exist through life and there's no harm in that. There's, if that's what they choose to do, that's their choice. But there are those mavericks and those free thinkers who, you know, they try to make the most of every moment. And I think if, if that's what you want in life, surround yourself with those people, like, like as, as we have from our own experiences, you know, you're not just an average person, you know, you always try to take everything you can from a moment as a teachable experience. And you always try to innovate and, you know, change Ben into the next version of himself that he can be his best self. Um, And I think if you surround yourself with those points of reference, I, I like to, I like the analogy as a lighthouse, you know, I'd like to surround myself with lighthouses that I look towards in a stormy night, you know, there's so much, as you said, so much of life is challenge, and so much of life can be difficulty, but mm. if you've got a point of reference that you're working towards, it's not always the position. It's often the projection that you're working towards that's yeah. most important. So like yourself and my lovely partner, Lauren and her family, you know, I've managed to surround myself with those lighthouses that give me direction.
1: I love um, the, the pluralizing, the lighthouses. It's not, oh, you know, there's this awesome sports star, there's Ariana Grande or there's this huge celebrity, you know, they're the be all and end all. You know, I want to be exactly like them. They had one thing and all of a sudden they're my, my role model. You know, it's the people you know and love. It's like, it's the neighborhood series. It's the people around us who are our lighthouses, our, our guiding forces. And-,
0: and it's, I think it's something that needs to be celebrated. It's, you know, these remarkable, amazing people, these inspirational figures, mm-hmm. They don't have to be someone that's on TV who's so impersonal and so removed from you. It can be a neighbour. It can be you know, a loved one or it could be an, like an ancestor. Or it, these are everyday people who, despite circumstance, have been able to make real meaningful happiness for themselves and their, their loved ones. And for me, it's important to recognise that,
1: that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm so intrigued to have this quick conversation with you because I don't think we've ever actually spoken about faith in a way that is, is discussion. Like I know we've, we've, we've chatted about it and it's come up in conversation, but if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about your faith, you know, what you're coming to terms with now, I know you went to a a Catholic high school, you know, we both kind of had a similar high school experience, but I always remember I saw you wearing a cross once, I think it was a Bunnings or something like that. And I was like, you know what, like that's, that's interesting to me because you're not someone who's openly expressive about it. So I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about, you know, your perspective on faith. Why do you think it's important? And um, how like what we we're talking about before it governs almost like who you are.
0: Of course. I think I think if you look through human history, I think anything that's of very high value and merit gets passed down, whether it be, you know, the laws of agriculture or art or philosophy, in this case religion, I think things of value find a way to meddle through history and, and constantly become recurrent themes. Mm. And I think with religion and faith in general, I think most people, if you take the intellectual argument out of religion, because that's sort of a self-defeating thing in itself, mm. is it's a basic set of principles and, and truths that you can apply to your life in a, a, a universal way across a range of circumstances. Mm. It may not necessarily have an answer to every specific, but it has a set of doctrines and dogma that you can really use as influence in how to respond to something and how to approach something. And I'm very principled. I like to think in things of principles. For me, faith can be something as simple as how should I live my life? Or it could be something so involved as this is my life. And I think that's where, whether it's a passive experience for someone and they're born into a family of faith, or it's something that's actively pursued on a daily basis and defines who you are. I think faith can be really useful. I think it's I think it's valuable. And I think for me, it gives answers and assurances to people who have doubts. And I think so much of at least the modern lifestyle is full of doubts. You know, We're, we're more connected in, in modern tense than we've ever been before. I can call someone overseas, I can email them, I can send them a video, but most people don't know their neighbours. The whole point of this series is to connect with your neighbour. And for me, it's the sense that in religion, you often find connectedness. There's that sense of identity, that sense of collective identity, that sense of universal ownership with one another. And I think that's something that we yearn for. I think that's something for a lot of people is missing. And I think that's something that leaves a hole of, of, of emptiness in their lives. And I think through faith, people can find that, that sense of community of loving and longing and, you know, assurance in what they're doing is for the right reasons.
1: It's funny you say that I'm writing this thing at the moment, it's called A Confident Guide to Life. And I'm pretty much writing it in the sense of, I'm going to pass on to my kids one day when they want to know about an important aspect Fantastic. of life, right? And um, the one I'm writing at the moment is called Finding Faith. And it's all about how, A, you shouldn't be living for your faith. You shouldn't be living for your religion. You should be living through your faith. So that at the end of the day, no matter what you believe, whether it, you know, you're, you're Jewish, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whatever it is, if you get caught up in the materialistic, and at the end of the day, religion is materialistic because it's been created by man, you know, at the end of the day, faith hasn't, religion has. So if you're living for your faith, you're Bible bashing people, you know, you're an extremist, you're these people that are hundred percenters, you know, you're going full throttle at it. Whereas if you're someone who lives through your faith, you're someone like yourself where you can take those little aspects of different religions and find your own faith in yourself. You know, for most of the people listening, that's going to be with God. You know, Jesus is going to be their lighthouse. For someone like yourself, for a big part of their life, it was probably
0: that too. That's the thing with me is if you look at, say, Abrahamic religions, for example, like Christianity and Catholicism or even Judaism, it's 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 the sense for me that, that there's so many more similarities than there are differences. And I, I agree with you. It's the sense that there's this exclusionary you know, rhetoric and dialogue where it's a hundred percent or nothing it's black or it's white and for me that's just so toxic because you know for me if you're an individual of faith and as you say living through your religion it's it shouldn't be a case at, that it's at the exclusion of others it should be an inclusive you know it's, it's something that you should have a desire to share because it's brought you joy and love and happiness and for me it's even with lauren and i you know, we, we'd been dating for over a year before there was that conversation about religion and, Mm -hmm. you know, moving forward in terms of having family in the future that that entails. But because for me, it's Lauren is so much more than a religion or it's Lauren so much more than anything. It's, Mm -hmm. she's the culmination of all these things. And as am I, it's people are more than any one singular aspect. We're far too remarkable to be reduced to something so singular. And, and I agree with you, it's through faith, it's through love, it's through joy, it's through communal collectivism. It's, that's where true meaningful happiness comes from.
1: It was actually interesting. I read, um, oh, I'm trying to think which book it might have been in now. Oh, it's dummy, but it, it effectively said that if you're taking anything as prescription, it, whether it's I'm Australian, whether it's I'm American, whether it's I'm a Christian, it's like there's always going to be an inherent difficulty or barrier to that because A, other people are going to have prejudices about it, but two, how can you apply something so large to something so personal it's like how can i take something that okay i'm I'm, just take christianity for an example it's like i'm managing to apply everything in the bible that's god's word to my life i now also have to adhere to a whole bunch of doctrines that people written 2000 years ago have applied to my life and then has now been filtered through to modern day times i'm also now juggling. Like family expectations, expectations from influences in faith, like worship leaders imposing things on me. It's like there's you you can't comprehend how much you're trying to you know manipulate yourself to be. So me and my dad talk about this all the time. It's like bring it back. Like where's the simplicity? What's the the underlying thing that's meant to be bringing me closer to a a better life, a more fulfilling life, a, a purposeful life, a, a life where I can you know bring happiness to other people like you do. You know. So I think it's really important that people find that kind of happy-ish medium.
0: Entirely. And I think that's something from personal experience I've lived through and witnessed in others is that so much of a healthy faith isn't uh, all or none. It's, mm-hmm. it's a sense where you adapt and you improvise and you, you utilize what you can to find meaningful progression in your lifestyle. As you say, it's, mm-hmm. it's a case where you'll often find some of the difficulties people experience with faith in individuals within that faith rather than the faith itself. Mm-hmm. So in Christianity, it may be a particular reverend or it may be a particular church, mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily the religion. That's mm-hmm. not the faith itself. That's mm-hmm. someone's interpretation of the faith. And I don't think it's ever appropriate to lump them all together because they're different. And then it's their elements or Mm. aspects. It's not the truth itself. And I agree with you. I think, again, getting back to the principles we are talking about in faith, it should be principled. It should be something that's very simple to explain even to a child. It's not something that should have a gateway or an intellectual barrier that has to be overcome to Mm. find faith Faith is not knowing, it's faith is believing in the absence of knowing. And that's where for me, whether it's in Judaism or Christianity or, or even Buddhism, it's a sense of true faith is the absence of knowing. If you look at any sort of universal truth or an axiom in history, the true knowledge is not something that you read for the first time and it's unfamiliar. The true knowledge that you find is something you come across and it feels like you've always known it. Mm-hmm. It's a sense that in faith as well, you learn faith and it's almost a homecoming. It's familiar. It, It feels something that you've always longed for, but always possessed. You just didn't have the means of articulating it or putting a thought or a feeling or an emotion into being. And I think for me, faith is something that isn't an intellectual pursuit. It's not something that it's not an answer to a problem that can be solved. It doesn't have an end point. It's something that, as you say, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly being through your your lived experiences.
1: Mm. And that's what I think people's biggest struggle is that they understand that, okay, these is this is XYZ that I have to adhere to, right? If I do these things, I will be this. Of course. If I go to church on Sundays, if I read my Bible, if I, you know, whatever it is, I will be a Christian. But then it's like, what decisions are you making every day that's proving that? You, you said something before how, um you know, faith isn't this academic kind of thing that you can pursue. And um I think one of the things that we share in common is we both love to learn so much. Why do you think it's important to be a lifelong learner and to pursue new things?
0: I think in life in general, I think you must live with the presumption that you don't know everything. So whether it be- Coming from the guy who knows literally everything. I do not, for reference. <laughs> Um so Carl Jung for example talks about this aspect where it's self actualization it's trying to achieve the, the the best version of you can you know this fulfillment as it were he would say one of the, one of life's primary challenges is knowing enough to think you're right but not enough to know that you're wrong and i think for me most of life's challenges involve a presumption of knowledge and a failure to truly listen and to learn from others From experience. So the experience, the expertise of experience. And for me, it's the culmination of lifelong lessons and experiential learning and and academic attainment. You know, it doesn't have to be in a university. It could be at your job. It could be under the tutelage of a loved one or your father or your mother or your grandparents. I think, I think we all have a responsibility to ourselves to develop the best version of ourselves not just for ourselves, but also for others. And as I think as a man, individual of a community, it allows us to contribute more to that community and it allows us to help develop a better communal experience for everyone. I think it allows us as a partner to be a better loved one um, and to be better for them through them. And I think it allows us to eventually be a better parent for our children and their children. So I think for me, education is it's not something that should have been commercialised, as we've seen in the West. It's not something that should have been built into these temples of knowledge that we call universities, um, where it's almost more important as a business than it is as a as a academic vessel to pass on to the next generation. But I think it's something that I think we should all yearn for. I think it's something that is a gateway to broadening our horizons and our perspectives on what's possible. I think it's something that allows us to become who we can and might be. And I think without that, that sort of foundation of learning and knowledge, I think all we do is hamper and hamstring ourselves and restrict our true potential.
1: Yeah. And it's like you said, it extends so much more beyond just academia. It's learning about yourself. It's learning about your faith. It's learning about your loved ones. Why are they like the way that they are? Why am I the way that I am? You know, it's asking all of these questions so that you can, like you said, just not improve your own life, but improve everyone's lives around you. Because when you think about it, if you're someone who doesn't like to learn and you don't take the time to learn, even if it's questioning, you know, yourself, just those kind of fundamental things, you're inherently being quite selfish because you're taking life for granted, number one. You know, you're you're saying, effectively saying to yourself, I was born, I'm going to waste my time on earth by not improving who I am for the sake of others. Um, and I think that's kind of sad.
0: And I think it's ultimately self-defeating. You know, if you look at it, I think anyone who's driven purely by self-motivation and, and you know, self-aggrandizement and things that are, are purely self-driven, I think it has a very lonely outcome. I think for me personally, there is you ret- it's almost like the analogy of farming and agriculture. It's, you know, you reap your harvest. And I think for me, if if you're only purely focused on your own growth and your own development it's a very barren field. There's not much there. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're focused on spreading, you know, wealth and happiness and joy and love, Mm -hmm. you'll find that that field is populated by others and suddenly it's not a lone tree in a field. It's an entire forest. And I think for me, that's a much more enjoyable outcome than to have myself alone in a field and feeling on top of everyone. It's, it's, as they say, you can't stand on someone's shoulders to feel tall, you know? And I think for me, it's that same idea that I'd much rather rather build up the people around me and as a result, be uplifted by them than to just build up myself and find I'm taller than everyone else. It never works out that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I know you work a lot with kids and, and you have worked a lot with kids, you know, since I've known you. And, um, obviously a lot of the kids are, um, challenged, I'll say challenged or struggling in, in life a little bit. Lots of our audience are young. They're not children, obviously, cause they're on Spotify and Apple. And well, I mean, I know six-year-olds that have eye devices these days, but For people who are, you know, struggling to kind of come to terms with themselves in the world, you know, what advice would you give to them to, I guess, to be not more open to experience, but to, you know, let themselves relax a little bit, you know, not take everything so seriously
0: and to heart. I think fundamentally some experiences must be lived and some losses must be lost in order to, to gain some forms of knowledge um, or wisdom. Um, But I think ultimately... You've at a young age you've got the greatest gift which is time. You know so much of us worry about things like income and you know what where do we live what house do I own what sort of car do I drive? These are all trivial in the greater aspects of life. They're temporary. But for me the things that we should really focus on in is what do I already own? What do I have ahead of me? So instead of looking at from the aspect of how little I have as a young individual who's only just coming into into the world of independence and adulthood. Why not look at that from the the reverse aspect of, I have everything ahead of me. You know, I have so much opportunity, so many possibilities, so many pathways of development. You know, if I wanted to be an interior designer, I can go and do that. If I wanted to be a musician, I can learn It's If I wanted to be an entrepreneur, that's something I can achieve. You know, so much of what we look at sadly is the result, not the possibility. And I don't know if that's a a thing of the West of capitalism, commercialism. It's more about the obsession with possessions as it were.
1: Yeah, well, the reason I ask you is I was talking to a couple of guys the other night and one of the gentlemen told the story about this girl who wanted to commit suicide. And he was pretty much putting the argument that how can you know you want to end your life before you've experienced life? It's like, there's so much more to look forward to. There's so many more days. There's so many more hours that you can experience and find love and all these different things. And it's like, if you're looking so much um you know backwards in a sense it's like why did this happen to me why do bad things always occur in my life you know it's it's trapping it's paralyzing in a way so um i'm gonna ask you this question and we normally end most of our episodes with this and it's a hard one with people around my age because when i'm interviewing older people i can ask them one way and when i'm interviewing younger people i can ask them another but if you're sitting at a table just like we are now across from your older self what advice would you give them and then also the flip side to your younger self because like i said of course we're in this happy medium
0: we're in a nice place i I think for me i've had some particularly hard experiences over the last few years with the loss of my mother to cancer and other issues but to my younger self i would say things change you know it's you're in a difficult position but your projection is true you know things may be hard and there may be adversities and you may feel overwhelmed and then there's just not enough love to get you through it but ultimately things will change and if you stay true to that path and trust in yourself and trust in the loved ones that you've surrounded yourself with you'll find that eventually you end up exactly where you wanted to be thought that you might be um It just takes faith, you know, and it's it's easy sometimes to give up. And as you said, with depression, sometimes people are so overwhelmed by the thought that they are in this inescapable situation. But ultimately it will change and something else will take its place. To my older self, I would say, I hope I still have that belief. And I hope I still have faith in that process that if I just continue doing what I know to be true, eventually it will lead to you know good outcomes um you know it's i think so much of life is uncertainty and i think there is obviously the option of taking confusion from that and negatives but i think if we just trust in, in and have faith in the situation in ourselves and our loved ones in what we're doing i think we ultimately reap that harvest you know we we're rewarded you know so much of happiness is delayed gratification it's delaying today so that tomorrow we'll have more it's delaying today so that my my children will have more. I guess the balance is making sure we also reward ourselves today.
1: Mm. I love that so much.
0: So I I,
1: I would well, I was planning on finishing there, but I want to ask you a question and feel free to answer it in, in any way you feel comfortable with. But um, you know, we talked a lot about why it's important to live a meaningful life, a life that's engaged in learning, a life that's engaged in love. What do you think happens after life? Do you think there's a heaven, a place that we we get to be with that's our right. loved ones that we miss? Do you think that there's You know, I'm not saying, oh, this magical place that lives among us, but, you know, what's, what do you think is on the other side? Do you think that we get to, you know, meet God, meet, you know, all these things we believe, we get to learn everything. What do you, what do you think is out there?
0: I think for me, so much of faith, it revolves around like the inability to know. And so much for me is, is the understanding that I cannot know. It's that age old rhetoric of to understand how God thinks would make you God. The idea that we cannot understand his reasons, his rhymes, because we are not God. Um, but I think for me, so obviously, I would love to see my mum again, and I would love to be able to see her and spend time with her and my sister, and that would bring me great joy. But at the same time, I also think to myself, is there more to it all? In terms of, is this a staging ground for what comes next? Is this is this a test, or is this is this the entirety of it all? I don't think any of us can truly know. And I think that's the crux of faith is that these are things that cannot be answered by their nature. But I think, I think for me, if, if there was something else and it could be what I wanted it to be, it would be with her, you know, we're surrounded by loved ones, surrounded by family um, in a world free of cruelty and selfishness. But maybe we're not meant to experience that now. You know, there's this thought in Judaism where, you know, eventually things will come to, actually, we're going to cut that because I don't know enough <laughs> about the topic. I don't want to come off as Not ignorant. It. Well, it's, I just don't know enough. I'm, I'm ignorant. And that's the thing. It's like, I hate, I hate conversations based on ignorance. Cool. It's, it's just so toxic. Well, I think the, the reason why I asked the
1: question is um like me and Beck talk about this quite frequently, you know, and it's something that you hear about a lot and so much of what you want to believe you want to know. And I think that lots of people get caught up in this idea that again, what we were talking about before is they have to be prescribed something. So they envision heaven as being this place where, you know, the gates open and, and you're welcomed. And because you've done X, Y, Z in your life, you you get greeted and, and you get to enter. But to me, it's, it's whatever you want to make it, you know, at the end of the day, like uh, my perspective is that God's going to let heaven be exactly what you want it to be. Mm. And it's that idea of exactly what you said. We're never going to know, but
0: it's the fact that I let myself believe that's how I know. And I know from me, from my own experiences with really moving, strong moments of faith growing up. It was it was that sense of knowing in the absence of anything that should give me the the understanding to know. It's having this overwhelming embodiment and just this realization of knowing when there's nothing to give me that sensation. It's just it, it's this overwhelming presence in the absence of presence. And for me, there's been moments where I felt my mum or my sister, you know, trying to communicate with me and and say, pause for a moment, take, take, take stock of the situation because something important is about to happen and you need to be mindful of what's happening. So for me, I definitely feel if, as you say, if things were to be the way I wanted them, it would involve them, you know, would be surrounded by them and loved ones. Um, But I agree with you. I think, I don't think we can be prescribed, prescribed the knowledge of what's coming. You know, it's almost as if we're not meant to preoccupy ourselves with what's coming. Instead, we should preoccupy, our, preoccupy ourselves with what's here, you know, trying to improve the lives of those around us and, you know, build for ourselves as as much a lifestyle that's close to paradise as we can in a way that's meaningful, not just for ourselves, but for those around
1: us. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 Beck's exact, exact argument, you know, is you shouldn't use it as an excuse to be like, life doesn't matter. I'm going to be sweet. I'm going to go to heaven. It'll be fine. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm on my deathbed, God, forgive me. Sweet. Of course. Copy, you know? And um, I had this, it was so interesting. You hear about purgatory, right? You hear judgment day, you know, it's coming. There's this, there's this, this middle ground between, you know, heaven and earth where you, you stay forever if, if you know, you don't, you don't pass the test. And um, I posed the question to this person. I said, what if we're in purgatory right now? You know, what if our, the weight of our hearts is being judged as you speak? And so, heaven's there waiting but right now matters just as much so because you know at the end of the day it's it's just it's equally important entirely
0: and i think it's as you said it's it's something that we need to focus on in the moment is that we can have paradise on earth now it just involves everyone living a little bit more selflessly and and trying to improve the lives of everyone not at the expense of a few but for the benefit of all well it's Often the, the most difficult challenges in life are the simplest things, but putting them into practice is the, the impossibility. It's it's something that we all know how to eat well and exercise and and live a clean life, but doing so is a challenge and it's such a simple thing and yet it is so challenging. And I think with faith, it is something that is so simple, Believe, but something so simple is so difficult. And I think that's, again, some of the most true things you can do are so simple and yet as we began something as simple as projecting a happiness to others is so simple it's something we can all do but it's also so difficult
1: today james and i spoke about the importance of living a happy life through making other people's lives better the primary difference between faith and religion is accepting that what we feel in our hearts is sometimes the only truth we need And lastly, at the end of the day, no matter how difficult life seems, it's all going to be okay. And that there's something unique for everyone after our time here on earth. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Neighbourhood Series. We'll catch you guys next Saturday.